AG1 is a comprehensive and convenient blend of over 70 high quality ingredients. And what that means is each morning when I wake up, before I do anything else, I drink AG1 to set me up for the day. It keeps me clear headed, full of energy and focused on whatever I need to do, like writing the fighting cock, for example. One scoop once a day before breakfast and that's it. I've actually found that I've not been needing coffee in the morning to get me started. I've still been drinking coffee because I love coffee, but it's not because it's like a necessity to do so. AG1 is made out of the highest quality ingredients subject to the strictest manufacturing standards. AG1 is NSF certified for sport and this process involves exhaustive testing and verification that every serving of AG1 is exactly what you see on the label. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs for your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock. That's drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock to get started. And to help the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the show. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Fighting Cock is back, and in Flab's absence, we talk about the football. Swansea, Seska Moscow, and Manchester United. And this episode is for Bankrupt Spurs. Get well soon, mate. It's the Fighting Fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. Clock. A camel, sir. No. 
It's season six, episode 22 of the Fighting Cock podcast, and I'm here with the lovely Charlie Parrish. Hey, Chris. And Anthony Lombardi. <laughs> Hello, Wendy. <laughs> How's it going, lads? Chris, sorry, Wendy. No, it's all right. It's all right. No, don't, whatever. <laughs> I'll answer to anything. Anything you say, Charlie. And hey, Bardi, it's good to be back. It's our first time on together. I know, it is. I'm sticking out on the way here. And Charlie's first appearance of the season as well. Yeah. It's been um, too long. Even more exciting than that, this is like the extra inch taking over the fighting cock. Oh, is it? I hadn't realised that. Is that that what we're doing here? I think so. It's a takeover. I mean, this was a a potential extra inch lineup. Uh, It had been mooted for a while that uh, Charlie might be one of our extra inch guests, so... It's a treat as an audition, Charlie. There'll be minimal heat graphs, guys. <laughs> Don't switch off. Cool. As you can tell, we've got no Flav this week. He is having a well-earned break. So you've got me for the next hour or so. Um, a couple of announcements that Flav wanted me to put out there first and foremost. Firstly, you can still get your bobble hats from the Sock Council and Christmas jumpers with the lovely Danny Rose and Moose Dembele pictures. Uh, Rose is my favourite one because he looks suitably miserable suitably Danny I've ordered a Danny one it's a really good jumper Um, they are still available but anyone still wanting the jumper outside the UK you've kind of missed the boat on that one I'm afraid Um, if you're within the EU uh, you you might get it in time for Christmas but it's at your own risk Uh, the other thing to say is that we might well we are hopefully doing a live show as we said it's the 21st of January when we play Manchester City and there should be some more information on that out shortly. Um, yeah, we were we, we were out for a drink on Saturday, and we were talking a lot about the live show and potential Bardi's brainbuster lineups. I like the idea of a, of a podium in the middle of the crowd and like having like a little circle when having tea surrounded by like people after his crown. <laughs> but any anyone can just put their hat in the ring and challenge tea at any point. Yeah, yeah. Why not? I like this idea. I think it would be quite intense, but I think that's what T needs to lose. Yeah, I think so. He needs the pressure built up a bit. Um, Gavin Perrotet, sorry if I got your name wrong, Gavin, says, with his absence becoming more frequent, should this be Flav's last season on the pod? Oh, well, Flav is like that, um, the aging kind of, aging kind of forward, you know, he, well, he's a bit like Moussa Dembele, he can't do two pods in a week, you've got to rest <laughs> him, you've got to pick his battles, when he's on, and he's on form, he's amazing, but you know, it's time for the younger crew to take wow. over. Flav with his dodgy hip. <laughs> he's, he's Ledley. He's Ledley. <laughs> he's Ledley, yeah. Well, to be honest, he is Ledley, because he shows up with no preparation at all, and just nails it nine times out of ten. Just, just does an hour in the pool, I hear, as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's his preparation. So there you go, Gavin. Um, One final thing before we get into the podcast proper. I just got a sort of bit of sad news to tell people. Um, You might know Bankrupt Spurs on Twitter, who's a a good friend of mine. Um, Bankrupt has had a really bad uh, accident. He he cycles to work, and last week he got knocked off his bike. And he's done significant damage. He's damaged his spine quite seriously, to the extent where he's currently lying in a hospital bed, unable to move. Um, he can't sit up at an angle greater than 45 degrees, and he's in a really bad way. Um, I mean, he hasn't made a big deal of it, because that's not his style. He, he's not someone who, who shouts about these things. But uh, he put a, a thing out on Facebook, and obviously, being his friend, I've been in touch. Um, and I told some, some other friends as well. And Charlie had a contact. And Charlie contacted his contact. And this contact knew Ryan Mason, who obviously, if you know Bankrupt, you'll know he's a big Ryan Mason fan. And we got 
back from Ryan Mason the most lovely personal message to to Bankrupt, um, which absolutely made his day. Cheered him up no end. So thank you, Charlie, for doing that. It was a really nice thing to do, mate. Not at all. It was uh, very much Ryan's people who were fantastic and Ryan himself because this message is... um is, is pretty amazing actually it was it's really a, a beautiful thing for him to have done um, just such a nice gesture I mean when footballers must get these kind of weird requests all the time about oh can you can you say this to my friend who's had an injury can you say this to my friend on his birthday um, it really felt like he'd gone to quite significant lengths to make mm. it personal and he, he kind of sat on his sofa and, and had someone film him it's a lovely thing to do and he also mentioned that he's uh he he has read an awful lot of Bankrupt's blogs in the past, particularly the ones about him. I imagine, yeah. um, and I'm told that that's that's legit. That's not just something he's saying to, you know, make Bankrupt feel better or anything like that. So, such a nice thing for real, Ryan Mason. Real to Coy's do. hero, Ryan. Yeah. Love that guy. Um, but all our all our best wishes to to Bankrupt Spurs. He's just a, a lovely guy. Yeah, um, go well soon, Kev. Absolutely does not deserve this to have happened to him. <clears throat> Um, and actually, on my on my journey here, I drive I drive from outer West London to to where we record the pod in sort of centralish. Um, and I saw so you, you see all these delivery drivers now riding their bikes, and I saw some horrendous driving and people near misses. So just just be careful when you're driving. Yeah. For God's sake, the cycl- cyclists have as much right to use the road as you do, and we should all respect each other because it's it's it's, a, it's terrifying for cyclists on the road in London particularly at this kind of time of year where it goes dark very early as well um, and everyone's doing their commute home in that, in that light, it's horrible but um, yeah, get well soon Kev Alright, we'll talk a little bit about the Swansea game obviously five, five, st- five goal thriller from the Spurs perspective were we worth five goals? Well, it was pretty easy to be honest with you we have a 100% record against Swansea at White Hart Lane we've played them six times and beat them six times that's our best record against any team we played more than four times. You know, it's quite. A, so they were. I think I said last week they were the perfect team to turn up. Mm. They um, they had a game plan. It got undone, and then they didn't know how to deal with us. And it was um, a real good confidence boost. I think the players needed it. We haven't won many games, so I think it was um, it was the perfect perfect team to play at the perfect time. You said they had a game plan. What do you think they? What was their intention? Well, to keep it tight. <laughs> And try and like um, stifle us and almost like make us start to get worried, like worry ourselves again yeah. into making, into either over committing or doing an error and letting maybe conceding a lucky goal. But the penalty changed it. I mean, they had some real pace on the flanks, which concerned me a bit before. I think Montero yeah. often plays quite well against us, um, mainly at their place, but he's a, he's a talent, I think. And then Barrow on the other wings also pretty grease lightning yeah. um, but then as soon as you saw that they dropped uh, Lorente despite him being the sort of two goal hero from the previous week and offering them a real aerial threat which you think they might be able to take advantage of and instead just going with Gilfie up front on his own it was yeah it was clear that keeping it to nil nil was the plan and I don't think I've ever seen a team just completely fall to bits once plan A went out the window like I have in that way they were so toothless I mean they didn't win a corner you know they had one shot off target and that was it and we had what 20 odds yeah. I mean it was astonishing and they looked to me like a team despite the drama and you know last minute sort of craziness of that Palace win they looked like a team that was not listening to their manager and had tuned out 
would much rather have someone else sort of giving them instruction because that was about as gutless a performance as I've seen at White Hart Lane, and that, and I say that as a Spurs fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't disagree with any of that. And I, I feel like they did set up the team to have pace on the counter, and Montero is a player that Walker's talked about before and said that he's one of his toughest opponents. He gave him a torrid time. I think it was, was it last season, the 2-2? Mm, he gave yeah. him a torrid time throughout that He's a really five. good player. You feel like he's one of those guys that I imagine worry at a bigger club would, would really kick on, but he's just sort of stuck in that mire of, yeah. you know, he's in and out of their team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, him and Routledge basically compete for a spot mm. in their team, which is really what it says a lot, doesn't it? Um, but they, they didn't really get the ball out to their wide players early enough. They didn't have anything really um, in attack for the majority of the game. Sigurdsson's not at his best playing that false nine role. No. I can see why they do it, because it means he gets as much of the ball as they can give to him. If he's got no one ahead of him to pass to, it or limits to get what he can do. You want, you want Lorente knocking the ball down to him and him sort of taking it first time. But yeah, Some of his best form for the Swansea is when he used to play at front with Boney, and it was... That quick one-two, nice little through ball. But if he's on his own, he's completely he's limited to just maybe a set piece or a long-range shot. Yeah, my let's save Gilfie campaign, the wheels <laughs> fell off a bit on Saturday. Because uh, <laughs> he didn't look like a guy that could contribute much you to really, a top You really team. love Gilfie. I do love Gilfie, but I'm, I'm also aware that a lot of that is that he's like a nice guy who's handsome and um, <laughs> just like is a cool player with a cool middle name it's Thor um, <laughs> and uh, you know I also think he's the sort of guy that potentially could give Ericsson some competition and I think that the difference between us and perhaps Chelsea and City and other teams is that we don't have sort of two really really good players for every position we have you know maybe one and a half and to me to have someone like a Sigurdsson come off the bench in certain matches or to play in certain cup games or whatever instead of you know perhaps waiting for an Nkudu to come good or hoping that Onomar is going to kick on yeah, this is another <laughs> I'm doing it again <laughs> I, need to, I need to be quiet about Gilfie Sigurdsson no, that's such a pertinent point that we haven't quite got the cover for Ericsson in particular but um, speaking of Ericsson though I mean, yeah. he was he was pretty good I thought I mean like the whole team I thought he was a bit slow to start his passes weren't quite on the money but I, I can imagine that's the sort of game as, as Bardi says not just Ericsson but the whole team yeah. needed there was something about his first goal though where if he could have got out of that challenge he would have <laughs> you know as the ball was dropping to him there was a split second it was like oh shit I'm going to get clad and he kind of flinched away and then it bounced in you can imagine if that was in the middle of the pitch he would have like run out completely run away from that tackle I mean this is it we, we say that Ericsson bottled challenges and he, he basically bottled a goal on, on yeah. Saturday which is just but maybe this is the turning archetypal. point maybe you know but on fairness, another way that would have spun out but instead. The, the key for that goal was the fact that he was there he put himself mm. between the posts that yeah, close to the goal and he, he got on the end of something and we've not seen enough of that from Ericsson in recent weeks so I was pleased to see him in that position and yeah he, he kind of ducked out of the challenge a little bit but you know they all count yeah. everyone needs one to go in off their backside a few times um, Ericsson obviously scored twice he also got an assist and set, like created seven chances throughout that game so he kind of uh, yes, the opposition's horrendous, but it felt like he was sort of back to where we'd expect him to be, um, given the talent at his disposal. He's such a good player um, who's been underperforming for some time. Yeah, I think I think a lot, a lot of it had to do with the Chelsea goal. That was I think that was a big big weight off his shoulders, and then they carried on to this game. And now hopefully he can. You know, you know, Ericsson when he's on form, he can, he's able to carry that form over a course of like a couple of months. So hopefully now this is the beginning of a good run of form for him. 
I um I imagine that us reverting to something sort of very close to the formation that we played all of last season might have helped him as well. I think mm. having Son, Deli and Ericsson in that sort of rotating wheel of three behind Kane, it suddenly felt a lot more familiar to me as a fan even, let alone what the players must have felt. And I think Ericsson is someone who really benefits from continuity and sort of having those players around him. And I think those two are a good fit for him. I think, you know, Delhi looked back to his sort of freewheeling, you know, trick-trying best, and a lot of it was coming off, again, partly because the opposition was dog-awful. But um, I think Ferrickson having Sun there as well to kind of release and to sort of play into space really helps. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was pleased to see that 4-2-3-1 back in, back in favour, personally. Let's talk a little bit about Deli Alley, because... <clears throat> He had, he had a strange game in many ways. So the first goal came at a good time. I mean, we looked like we looked for that half like we were going to have a really good half of football and go, and go in nil nil, which would have been super frustrating. And the goal came at just the right time, and it came in a slightly controversial way. So Deli Ali's running away from goal, and he sort of dangles a leg to be clipped. And there's no doubt it was clipped. There's no doubt it was clipped. But he, he did create that contact in essence. Um, and then he turns around and, and does this kind of butter wouldn't melt look at the referee and and, look, and scowls and sort of says, "Come on, how's that not a, a how's that not a penalty?" And it eventually gets given, having at first looked like it was probably not going to be given. What do you make of that? Do you, is that something you would want our players to do? Well, you know, let's get it straight. Ali's been diving all season, and I haven't. It's not been great. I haven't. I'm not. I'm not too keen on diving, but it is part of the game. But as long as he's making those runs and if he's manufacturing the, the challenge, then I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say, no, don't take a penalty. I'm not going to say we should like do the, do the sportsmanship thing and kick it out. Um, Leipzig against um, Schalke this weekend. The chap went down under no contact with the goalkeeper and the ref gave a penalty. And he didn't tell the referee that it wasn't a penalty, but he told everybody else, and he thought that would kind of like cleanse his cleanse his soul, but it didn't. And Leipzig scored, and you know, but I, I wouldn't want. Would I want Ali to go to the referee? No, it's not a penalty. No. Do I like diving? No, but then I'm not going to turn away a penalty. I think that pragmatic view is probably the one that most fans hold. I think also that the fact that Ali's English is what becomes an issue for people. Mm. I think. Yeah. I mean, Pochettino spoke about. The English having a rather saintly view of yeah. diving, and yet, you know, the Michael Owen Pochettino <laughs> incident. I've just ruined Barley. Charlie's just reading scribbled all my, out. He's it's reading my notes. Sorry, I can't read your terrible handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think, had it been, you know, Sun or Ericsson or Dembele, perhaps, I, I don't yeah. think it gets spoken up about. But as Delhi is the sort of young great hope of English football in many ways, we don't want our boys doing that, and so it becomes an issue. But that's just the press for you. I think um, Pochettino used the quote that Owen jumped like he was in a swimming pool. So I, I yeah. quite like that. But so Poch was then talking about how essentially he was taught to dive. Yeah. Um, which is something that is a kind of... It's an unpleasant truth that no one taught to speak about, that foreign players, continental players, were learning the dark arts on the training ground and putting them into practice on the pitch. I don't think that's something that I thought anyone would ever admit to, but you know, in a way, fair play to him for being honest and, and saying it as it is. He did say that he wouldn't do the same. He wouldn't be teaching our players how to dive. But equally, he seemed to want to kind of back away from the incident a little bit as if 
Eight Light Party said he he wasn't that bothered by it and yeah. we got the penalty and it essentially broke the deadlock and well, it was a knows? shame for that reason I think you know it was annoying that <clears throat> a 5-0 you know drubbing of a Premier League team has a sort of asterisk yeah. against it it's like well they might not have got that 5-0 had they not cheated to get the first goal and as you said Wendy like you know in in the stands I was getting really frustrated. It was 39 minutes. We hadn't really created anything clear-cut. You know, Kane had that header that mm. Fabianski saved, and it looked like Fabianski was going to have one of his sort of blinders against the sea likes to have. Um, and it's a pity, in a way, that the sort of floodgates opened because of that. And as Bardi says, you don't want any of your players doing it. However, we're in 2016, and you know, football's football. Football's a murky. The stakes are high. The stakes yeah, are high. Yeah, exactly. And like him on, like it or not, I think Ali does have that in him. You know, like he's got that petulant side, and he's got that sort of gamesmanship to him as well. And you know, that probably is why he's so good. But it's like we were saying last year. Yeah, on a positive side, it's a bit like how Bale was when he was with us. That he's someone who runs with the ball and takes players on, so he does commit defenders. That's a good point. So the, the possibility of him getting fouled and just hitting clipped, the penalty yeah. just clipped. Sometimes will it will naturally occur to That's him. That's a point I was going to make, and actually, I'm a strong believer that sometimes a little bit of contact can make you go to ground uh, more than a lot of people understand because it takes it knocks you off the stride, and, you, and once your strides kind of out of sync, it's very hard to stay on your feet then. I mean, this pace that these guys are running at, they're going to go down. Um, yes, the kind of leg flicks at the end to make yeah, it a bit Yeah, I don't know if this it. one on Saturday was, was quite that, no, but I, no, I hear no. you entirely. The other thing I wanted to say was, you mentioned there was an asterisk over the, um, over the win. The only thing I'd say to that is that <clears throat> two minutes into the game, Swansea should be down to ten men because, my God, did someone yeah, need to decapitate Kyle Walker. Yeah. Um, obviously, Neil Taylor is not that kind of player, as they say, and, that, I mean, that was muttered immediately after uh, the incident by Tony Gale in commentary of course um, <laughs> because Tony Gale um, but that challenge was horrendously dangerous and when it first happened I honestly was worried for Kyle Walker's eye because that was so close to getting him straight in the eye, eye socket fair play to Kyle he had an absolute Oh, Barnstormer of a amazing. game after that, it was terrific. Yeah, I mean, I, I said on Twitter that it was hospitality <laughs> levels of bravery. I'm just thinking, you know, like sometimes when you break your sight or like on your binoculars or something, maybe because he had one eye, his field, his depth of vision, his depth of field changed. <laughs> his crossing was a lot better yeah. than it was normally. Yeah. Something, you know, like when you go to the opticians and you cover one eye, you see better with one eye. Maybe that's what I, we should do. We need an eye patch. <laughs> I mean, I was good. One of the things I had lined up to say was that Walker's crossing recently has really improved but maybe that was it maybe it was just the fact that he'd been kicked in the face that did it um, but in all seriousness I do think it's something that he's clearly worked on because Walker has always been someone who's he's been quite conservative he gets to the byline and he cuts back or he passes back to someone else who can cross or he doesn't even get to the byline or he doesn't get to the byline yeah, yeah. he won't challenge his man he'll just check back which he'll, he'll is carry the 40 yards and then check but actually his crossing on the run in recent weeks I think has really improved um, it hasn't got to kind of Kieran Trippier levels of, of quality yet, but I think there's potential there. Uh, certainly, I see more potential with Walker's crossing than Rose's crossing, which I think has, he's got plenty to work on. It's with a bit wayward, isn't it? Yeah. Danny should just shoot in time. <laughs> yeah. I'd be happy for that. Just shoot, Danny. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, defensively, we were pretty much unchallenged, but I thought Vertonghen and Dyer were excellent. Basically, they would shuttle over to what the touchline win the ball seamlessly from the Swansea forward or winger 
and then play mate from the back and it was a joy to behold and that suits Vertonghen so well because he's so good on the ball so good in possession he had an excellent game um, the, the interesting thing with the Dyer situation is that he's starting to settle into that centre-back role a bit more now and playing better Wanyama's kind of he's still playing well but he's dropped a little bit from when he was at his absolute peak slightly early in the season mm. so what happens when Alderweireld comes back do we drop Dyer? do we drop Wanyama. I think you drop Dyer. There's, the, there's, yeah. there's no other. There's no other way. You're not going to drop Wanyama. Not yet. His, his, his form may have dropped off a bit, but it's still, it's still at a really high level. I think particularly for Old Trafford, you would imagine that it would be Wanyama and Dembele to go away at you know Manchester United and really have that muscle for a sort of Titanic tussle in midfield. But um, you're right. Dyer's slowly but surely looking like a centre back again. However. I think his ceiling as a central midfielder to me now seems to be that much higher. I mean, I don't think there's, you know, even Arsenal and Chelsea fans couldn't really argue that he wasn't one of the top five central mid, you know, mm. defensive midfielders in, in the league last year. Is that what potentially he could be as a centre back? I don't, I don't think so right mm. now. So it's, it'd be a shame to curtail his progress in a position that he showed not just potential but, you know, international worthy form. Um, but I don't think Wanyama deserves to be dropped and I certainly don't think you can play Dyer and Wanyama together I think that just becomes a creative vacuum (laughs) I mean do you think there's an argument that Dyer and Wanyama are kind of rotated depending on who's most suited to the opposition so in a game where we're going to be expecting to play lots more side to side kind of switches Dyer might be better in a game which is a bit more um, I don't know how to, how to phrase it. Where, where you'd expect someone to have to carry the ball forward, then Wanyama yeah. would be better. And I imagine that's why Wanyama was signed. You know, Dyer was one of our best players last season, so you can't imagine in Pochettino's head that he figured really that Wanyama was coming in to directly replace Dyer in the first team. It probably to him would have been very much that. You know, I now have two elite level defence midfielders who played depending on the opposition. You'd hope, anyway. Oh, that is such like. What an embarrassment of riches for Spurs to have two quality defensive midfielders. We've not, I don't remember the last time we had that. I really don't. Like, no, they're so, they're so good. No. We've, we've barely ever had one yeah. solid defensive midfielder. Look at yeah. the dancing in the street that greeted Wilson Palacios' yeah. arrival. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we were spoiled a bit with Sandro and then Parker. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I most still of my think, lifetime, like defensive midfield has been an issue. Yeah, I still think that that partnership of Sandro and Dembele that had that mm. had potential wow, to be something yeah. special until Sandro's knee went. Yeah, oh, that, that was beautiful. That um, playing against Ma- that was that was Ferguson's Manu as well. Yeah, was it? That was Ferguson's Manu yeah. that we three team that we beat. You know, it wasn't wasn't, um, wasn't a Moyes or a Van Howe incarnation of it. it was, that, those two were good. So we mentioned that Alderweireld might be back in time for the United game. Very exciting. Do we just throw him straight in? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think I would agree. I mean, it does seem quite unpopped to do that. But having said that, I'm going to cough, excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. Um, I think the fact that he wasn't in the squad this week and yet had trained kind of showed that this is the week where we don't throw him straight in. And then he'll be ready for the next yeah. week. Yeah, we I didn't th- need him. We no, didn't exactly. Need him. I think if we were playing United this past weekend, he yeah. would have played. But I think he probably figured that Dyer and uh, uh, Dyer and Jan could cope with the, the mighty Swansea. <laughs> and Charlie, you—we uh, <laughs> were talking before the podcast 
started recording about Sissoko and some uh, some words you had with people sat yeah, around so you on the ground. I I mean I'd like to caveat this by saying first off that Mr Sissoko has been largely dreadful in a Tottenham shirt. Um and I'm I'm not in any way some sort of blinded cheerleader or part of the Musa Suzuko payroll or or anything like that. And he's got an awful lot to do to prove that he's, you know, worthy of a place on the bench, let alone in the starting lineup right now, just regardless of how much he costs or how well he plays for France. But um yeah, so I was in the East Stand and uh sat with, with uh my friend Phil and behind us there are a sort of gaggle of about six or six, seven or eight guys who as soon as Suzuko came on were just sort of, you know, mocking him, sort of pretend clapping, just comment after comment after comment after comment. And I don't normally say anything because everyone's entitled to their opinion. You know, I don't go looking for trouble. I'm probably useless in a fight situation. And I just, uh, I couldn't help myself. It was 4-0. I just turned around and said, look, you know, we're 4-0 up. This guy's new to the team. Why why don't we just, you know, get, why don't we try getting behind him rather than sort of belittling him and, you know, openly laughing at him? Just seems to be incredibly counterproductive to me. I didn't say that. That would go down very well. (laughs) (laughs) I said something a bit more flustered and whatever. Um, And they all sort of rounded on me and I spent the next 10 minutes, the last 10 minutes of the game fearing that I was going to get cornered. (laughs) jumped outside. Cornered outside a pub. Um, But... You know, I think he's he is now easily the the you know the poster boy for you know underperformance in the Spurs team, and he's our scapegoat. He's the scapegoat. He's the new. He's you know, thank Eric Lamella's probably sending him you know <laughs> an enormous Christmas present to say thank you for taking that mantle off me. And it made, it made me. I was saying this on Saturday in the pub. Like it made me wonder if Pochettino speaking out the way that he did was that wiser thing to do because it allows the fans then to kind of it kind of. You know, almost almost legitimizes using him in that way, and everyone getting on his back. And again, I'd like to say, you know, if a player plays poorly, which he has been, then fine, he's open to critique. It's just, I feel like when you're in the stadium, and also when you're winning four nil, you know, if, yeah. if you're losing at home to Swansea, fine, like you know, you can shout at the players all you want in my book. But when it should be a sort of celebratory mood and. You know, someone comes on and you're like, yeah, let's cheer him on. You know, this guy's had a hard time. This is the perfect opportunity for him to do something. And he did all right. He didn't do brilliantly, but, you know, he got an assist and he did all right. But, yeah. Go I'd, on, Musa. I'd, I'd quite like, like us to see, to put down on paper, like a scapegoat 11. <laughs> have like Soldado and then behind him would be Lamella, um, Sissoko. Paulinho. Paulinho, there you go. Just, it, just You put together the scapegoat 11 and I bet you've got hundreds and hundreds of international caps there. Oh, totally. Jermaine Genus for me was the biggest scapegoat there of all time go. because yeah. quite often he didn't actually play badly and, and still he would take the stick. Um, but Charlie, well done to you for, for, saying, for doing the right thing really in White Hart Lane. Like, um, a lot of people wouldn't have done that and actually you're right well, like, why, are they, why are they rounding on one player when we're falling up he's come on get behind a new signing and, and just think if we get the Sissoko that played for France in the summer well, then we've got it, a good yeah. player on our hands exactly I mean it's, and it's the difference with him between us having an asset or a sort of big old lump that's just going to make us worse and I'd rather do everything in our power as fans yeah. to get the dude that was playing you know storming down the right wing for France but you are looking for common sense in a football stadium that's yeah. true which yeah. is always a difficult it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place yeah. where you do kind of 
exactly which is why which is why I kind of regretted opening my mouth <laughs> no good can, you know what am I hoping for for them to go good point sir well done <laughs> <laughs> I retract my <laughs> so it's fine. and if you're listening people in the stand please don't come and find me because <laughs> you're all quite big and frightening <laughs> so I didn't realise when I was <laughs> What did you make of Pochettino's comments about Sissoko? Did you see it as a kind of winding him up and, and letting him go or kind of giving him a point to prove? Or do you think he was just genuinely a bit annoyed with him? I think he was just upset. Pochettino, he, he, all he does most of the time is talking cliches. The fans, the supporters, I'm very, very happy, all this kind of stuff. So I do actually take note when he actually ch- when he comes off when he comes off script. So I think he was genuinely annoyed and he he wanted a reaction. Whether he gets that reaction now, we have to see what kind of what kind of person Sissoko is. It's been a decent start. He's got an assist. He did okay. And yeah, we see. I think he'll start against Moscow, mm. and he's got a huge opportunity there to start righting some wrongs now. I am. Um, I imagine Pochettino feels that transfer quite keenly in that. He probably was the one to ask Daniel Levy to pay that money for him last minute, or at least, you know, he said after the Liverpool game, "I want, I want a forward who can run directly at defenders, who gives us a different, you know, Mane style form of attack." So he'll know that that signing is kind of on him. You know, that's not the sort of black box committee giving him some sort of French winger for six million. That's like we've spent thirty million, or you know, I know the instalment things up for discussion but 30 million for a 27 year old you know this is your sort of gift if you like here's a present for you as a thank you for last season so if he does go tits up then that's kind of his <laughs> it's his failing I think Daniel Levy Daniel Levy just every day as Pochettino comes in just looks at him and goes how's the yeah, yeah. yeah I reckon that's probably what happens <laughs> but in, in, a, in a way though does that not make it a bit more odd that he kind of he, he did go a bit off script in the press conference and, and said things that he wouldn't normally say because if he was his boy would he not be a bit more protective about him it makes me wonder whether he's always making it clear that he wasn't his boy it was like perhaps he's not the one I wanted yes I wanted you to spend 30 million and I wanted <laughs> you to buy a player who can break defensive, defensive lines but not that guy I wanted Zahar or Balassi or whoever it was he actually yeah. wanted Neither of whom I think would have been ideal either, by the way. Like Blassie just looks exactly what Blassie's been like for the last 10 years. Just an unpredictable, mm-hmm. um, unproductive winger just that doesn't really do much. Zaha's having a good season, but you don't want to spend £30 million on Zaha. United tried and scored two goals. I would, I, would, I, would, I would pay £30 million tomorrow for Zaha. I guess he's younger. There's, he's something, got there's something that I quite like about him. Mm. We haven't had proper whip for a long time, and I just I would like him just getting out wide and just crossing it in he's tall he's really athletic he's, yeah he's very strong he's, he's got a lot of skill there and I think with the right manager he could be he could be good I would like to think that Pochettino look you know kind of takes a bespoke view of how to motivate each player yeah and I imagine that with Suzoko he has fallen into like bad practice training wise he's not the most motivated of guys from the last five seasons at Newcastle and he probably thinks, you know what, in order to ingratiate him into my way of doing things, I've got to take drastic action here, which is, to his mind, a big old kick up the arse, um, and see what happens. And that's his chosen tactic, I think, for mm-hmm. Suzuka. I don't think it's, you know, he's not Kane or Rose or any of those guys that are like very much part of the Maurizio mm. sort of, you know, fatherhood club. Yeah. And 
he's he's just thought to himself you know perhaps he came in and gave the softly softly approach for the first few weeks and he's got nothing back perhaps a rocket up his ass is is what this guy needs and we'll see I mean the signs were vaguely encouraging I think but you know judging a performance against Swansea I think isn't perhaps it and I think Bardi's right I think he'll start um, at Wembley and you hope that that's the game where he sort of you know finally is off his leash and he, he, he runs wild down that wing but we'll see. that's exactly the way I'd like to think it's been um, I mean I, I always like to give maximum credit to Poch and, and just assume that, that it, the, the best thing that can happen is what he did because yeah. I, I want to love him more than anything um, and I, th- I also think that he is a good man manager particularly given some of the comments that past players have said about him um, and like you say treating people differently is not necessarily a bad thing it's, it's really tough I'm, I'm a manager at work I know what it's like you've got a, a, a real it's you want to be fair and treat everyone equally but equally you can't treat everyone the same because everyone's different and everyone's motivated by different things so that balancing act is so true in the workplace and the workplace of a training ground is no different to any other workplace in many ways and Suzuko's not like a lot of our signings you know he's not a malleable young lad from you know a lower league he's sort of a sort of lesser foreign league if you like he's a 27 year old full international who's been earning a fortune for a long time he might not feel that he has to you know treat him like he would a 19 year old kid it's you know a grown man who's been there done that and he wants something from him so he's, he's going about it in a robust way and yeah, you just, you know, I would, I would love Mrs. Zoko to come good. I really would. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he left in January, quite honestly, because the other flip side to Pochettino is, you know, as we've seen, if you get on his wrong side, often that's it. You're done. Yeah. And I think if Poch- if Suzuka doesn't put in any decent signs of progress between now and January, if a Inter Milan or someone came in, I really wouldn't be surprised if we had a replacement lined up. Then he was let go for on loan or something. I mean, he probably won't get that many opportunities between now and January to actually impress. So he needs to do something on the training pitch, basically. But yeah, I mean, you both said there that you want him to start against. I was going to say Seska, but I heard earlier it's. Is that what you're supposed to say? It's got, um, no. It is. It does. It goes up three times. So it's Seska. Seska 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 on um, Football Weekly says this ah. it does, he goes up three times Seska Seska that sounds nice so you, I take it you're both going still. yes I'm going yeah there. I'm also going yeah um, what what team do you think we'll go with because I, in some ways I want us to pick the strongest team and go out on a high and try and win at win. Wembley yeah I mean as much as you know, most of us have joked about losing because it gets us out of the Europa, you know, seat of embarrassment or whatever. But Pochettino clearly wants to win because he's spoken about needing a, a victory at Wembley to kickstart a whole season there. Um, and you know, the difference once I'd sort of calmed down from the whole being kicked out of the Champions League thing, you know, the difference between this Europa campaign as against previous seasons is you know we're not being airlifted into the group stages we're being dropped in at the knockout stages so you know if we don't want to take it seriously that's two matches yeah. and then we're out of it yeah. or if we do want to take it seriously then you know it's not that many games until you're really at the business end and it gets mm-hmm. quite exciting and then you've got the cherry of Champions League football which might be a lot more appealing if say we lose touch with the top four by February or something and it's looking a bit unlikely that we'll catch them Suddenly, then the Europa gets quite, quite exciting. I reckon. So, I think it will be a mixed 
bag team. I don't think he's going to, you know, play a bunch of kids and Suzuka. I think, I think there'll be some some strong guys there. Yeah, I agree. I think we'll probably rest Kane. Maybe we'll rest Dembele, but we'll go pretty strong. Um, Cesco is shit. They're not. They got nothing. Don't there. do this, buddy. No, they're they're right. they do with Leverkusen though. But just... Leverkusen are terrible. The fact that Leverkusen <laughs> have got out of our Champions League group, you know, we could we could they weren't terrible talking, in the second half. But we could sit here talking for forty five minutes <laughs> about how bad Leverkusen are and how bad our Champions League run has been. But ten yeah, years, man, Akinifev hasn't kept a clean sheet for ten years. That's forty three <laughs> games. Their manager, I think Slutsky, he either has left or he's about to leave. Yeah, this will be his last game. Oh, wow, they're, sh- they, they're not very good I want us to win get that monkey off our back and stamp on its head so we can we can go into next season and Europa League with, um, with you know with, with optimism it'll be weird it'll be weird to see how many people go I think that might have a bearing on the performance potentially if it's a really underwhelming you know flat atmosphere which it might well be because we're out if you know there's only 50,000 people in there or something but I reckon I'll, I'll be pleasantly surprised by the turnout. I mean, in hindsight, we should have just done the the, the big, larger scale 1882 ever, shouldn't we? Just to try and get generate some noise there. Um, but the players can't use atmospheres. No, just go can't. out there, beat them. At least end on a high. It's been a it's been a clusterfuck of a of a Champions League. Let's finish with a win. Yeah, absolutely. So you practically you thinking. Harry Winks and Vincent Janssen to start but other than that broadly the strongest possible team probably the full backs will rotate I imagine with United in mind I Champions think League expert Kieran Trippier to come back in yeah the specialist <laughs> <laughs> is, is Davis back yet no the da- that Davis injury is starting to get as worrying it's, as the Lamella one yeah I don't, I don't, I'm genuinely worried about Lamella's injury the way Poch was speaking about it it doesn't sound like he's anywhere near ready to close being back although having said that he was kind of tweeting hopeful things wasn't this quite similar to Lamella's first season when he would have injuries and there were supposed to be knocks and would suddenly become Mm, three months at a time and you know I imagine a lot of that was just hiding from Sherwood but (laughs) um, he does seem to be prone to the sort of lingering injury but yeah we need him back big time I think we didn't actually do our man of the match for the Swansea game but who who would you say was I would say Christian Eriksen personally I thought he was back to his very best um, albeit against weaker opposition but you can only beat what you're up against and I thought he was excellent he was very creative used the ball well scored a couple of goals which is just lovely because he's needed this run of goals and I think it all it all set, set him up nicely for the United game yeah I agree with you I would like we didn't mention Sun's goal was very good as well oh my god yeah. oh, how did we miss that <laughs> Sun's like scissor kick volley was incredible but also Kane's um, second goal was lovely like the way he changed his stride and, and just put that away with a plomb yeah we were, like our finishing was great in, in, in those opportunities there They, I mean it was a 1-11 to 11 very good set of performances I think I thought for Tom and as you said Chris was, was excellent I thought that was when I really felt like Kane was back to being in his pomp last season, Kane, the way he was sort of strutting around the pitch. I thought his first touch was superb. The way that he was bringing other players into the game was terrific. Um, and the fact he sort of just took ownership of our attacks, he just wanted everything to run through him. And he, he had that like really sort of brilliant, imperious nature to him that he's been working towards getting. So it made me really excited about the fact that he's already... 
I mean, I know like 95% of them are penalties, but yeah. he's already got, you know, like nine goals or something, eight goals, and he's barely, he's barely lukewarm yet. Cool. Right. We're going to have a short break because I feel like I'm going to have a coughing fit again. I need some water. Uh, and we're back to talk about the Man U game as well as the FA Cup draw, which was happening any time now. Yeah. Windy back to draw the fucking knowledge, blood. I see you. I got your back. Hi, this is Wendy, back with the weekly youth update, looking at our young players and players out on loan. Very brief youth update this week due to time constraints. Starting off the under-18s, they lost 3-2 against Norwich on Saturday morning. A pity because they've been in good form in the under-18s, playing some good stuff, and lots of players have kind of hit their top form at the best time. The goals this week were from Jack Rolls, again from midfield, and Rio Griffiths. They now don't play a league match until January, but do go off to Florida to participate in the tournament this month. So, some under-18 action. I've not seen them for a while. Um, I've got to make more of an effort in the new year. It's partly because I live near Windsor and, and partly because the kickoff times have clashed with other things, be that Spurs first-team matches or whatever. But, yeah, hopefully I'll get to see them a few times in the new year and uh, give you an update on progress of specific players. The under-19s play their final UEFA Youth League match on Wednesday against Seska Moscow. Hopefully they'll end on a high, but it's been a disappointing campaign in that competition this year, much like the first team. Um, I don't think the kind of balance of under-18s and under-23 players has worked as well as they would have hoped. Um, but let's let's hope they've learned something from it. The under-23s next game is on Monday the 12th. I believe that's against Derby off the top of my head. Um... Just to add also that in the podcast I mentioned in the second half about Cameron Carter-Vickers having received an England under-17 call-up, I'm not, I've not been able to clarify that. I've, I remember that there was talk he was going to be called up by England. I think maybe the USA just got in there first. Uh, so yeah, fact-checking myself there. As ever, if you're interested in more young players, follow me on Twitter at WindyCoys. That's Coys for Come On You Spurs. Welcome back to the second half of the Fighting Cock. Um, you probably heard me do a youth update then, but I haven't recorded one yet. We'll see. We'll see how I feel. See if I've got time once I've watched the uh, Westworld finale. So, yeah, we might be speaking quickly in this half so we can get through content to get home and watch Westworld. Um, very quickly. Cool, calm. 12 men a day commit suicide. It's thought that it's because we don't want to talk about our problems. If you're feeling sad or low, talk to someone. It doesn't have to be someone you know. Calm have a helpline open from 5pm until midnight. The number is 0808 802 5858. Also, their web chat is open from 5pm until midnight. Visit thecalmzone.net and their Twitter handle is at thecalmzone. Okay, we didn't get to speak about the Manchester United game, which is upcoming. I watched the United-Everton game and for about two-thirds of that match, I was thinking, here we go, just a routine 2-0 United win. And then the doubts started to show towards the end of the game. They got really nervous their clearances were just going straight to Everton players. They had nothing up front. Um, Fellaini came on and was his usual clumsy self in the box. And they blew it. And it was it was lovely to see, to be quite honest with you. Um, what have you made of United this well, season? I think Mourinho's kind of little... He looks a little bit lost. For the first time, I think he's doubting himself. He's coming out in his press conferences full of bravado and stuff. But you can see a 1-0. Normally, Chelsea would... If, sorry, a, a Mourinho team would see it off like mm. Chelsea one nil. Mm. Okay, we haven't got the second goal, but they would they would deal with it and see the game out. 
he's unable to do that he hasn't got the players to do it and um, I don't understand his reasoning for Fellaini it just doesn't make any sense he's making odd decisions the way he's kind of treated um, Martial and Mkhitaryan and ob- an obvious talent, talent like Rashford is, is quite puzzling he seems to maybe have lost his beliefs in how his team should play I mean the, the stats certainly back that up I think his last um, so he's picked up 36 points from his last 30 Premier League games for across Chelsea and Manchester United he's won 9 drawn 9 lost 12 which to put that into context uh, Alan Kerbishley picked up 40 points to, to Mourinho's 36 in the same period um, which you know shows you that that theory that elite managers have a decade to sort of rule at the top of the game before their sort of methods become outmoded players tune them out yeah, that might be that might be bearing fruit with with what's happening to Mourinho. However, in saying that, I feel like those group of players will see a game like Spurs at home. You know, the Pogba's, the Mkhitaryan who showed signs of life, I think, against Everton for the first time in United mm-hmm. shirt. Zlatan, all these guys. Martial looks like he might be coming back into some form. They'll see a sort of glamour fixture against Spurs in front of the cameras. That's probably where they'll. You know, come to life, and yeah. we'll see the Pogba of Juventus, and we'll see the Mkhitaryan of Dortmund. No, no luck. However, we should go there in good heart. You know, I think as uh, as you were both saying, you know, once once they've gone a goal up, they didn't seem to have it in them. Sort of tactically, they didn't seem to have it in them mentally to to see that out. So I think if we can get the crowds a bit restless, if we can get on the front foot, get them panicking a bit, it's there for us. I think they'll probably sit quite deep which will play into our hands because I don't think they've got the back four especially with um, I think Eric Barley out he he looked a really good defender I don't think they've got the defence to be able to, to sit deep but they'll try and then they'll try and hit us with a bit of pace on the counter attack if we control the game if Dembele and Wanyama have a good quality game where they and they just boss um, Herrera and Carrick I, I don't think even Pogba can, can, can cope with that to be honest with you I, do, I thought Carrick had a really good first 60 minutes against Everton. <clears throat> really impressed with him. Just, just he's such a calming influence for United. And I feel like Pogba's got better since Carrick's come back into the team. And that's, it doesn't surprise me to be saying that because he's such a good footballer who brings the best out of players around him. And Herrera's had a really good season as well. But like you say, I feel if Dembele can play anything like the best Dembele... Um, that I thought he, he he pretty much was against Swansea, then we should win the midfield battle. We've got in Wanyama and Dembele two of the most physically imposing, but also technically tidy midfielders in the country. Um, and there's enough there to overcome uh, Carrick, Herrera, and Pogba. Just interested to see whether we match up to them in midfield and go with a three, or whether we stick with this four-two-three-one, which we now <laughs> well we've been calling for for a while, um, but has worked so well in the last couple. Um, really interested to see what he does there the other thing was I do think Martial <clears throat> is starting to really look like the player that they hoped he would become again he'd had a quite severe dip in form where he just looked completely bereft of confidence um, but now he looks keen to take players on he's getting shots away um, so ha- having him on one flank and then Mkhitaryan coming in off the other flank that's a really dangerous tie that's a, that's a top quality side so if Alderweireld is fit enough to start, then by God, get him on the pitch because there's going to be some defending to do. But even those three, they don't fear me. I don't have the fear that we used to have going to Old Trafford. You know, no. you used to shit yourself. It'd be like, okay, we've lost that. But in the last few years, 
we've done better. I know we lost last season, but it was the season before was that dreadful three 0 as well, wasn't it? That yeah. was, but then that was a very you know early stages of <coughs> sort of Pochettino Tottenham. Yeah, but I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm confident that we can get a result there. Mm. They are they are quite a way off the top four, and they're there because they haven't been playing well. They're not in the greatest run of form, and I think I think we can I think we can get something. Definitely. I think Kane is hugely vital. I mean, as ever, yeah. but I think you know we mentioned their defensive disorganisation and issues in terms of people stepping up for him, and I think if he can rattle those 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 centre backs in particular who look fairly dreadful to me right now, I think um, I think he could he could really fill his boots and he. I don't know. I can't really remember a sort of signature Kane moment at Old Trafford. I don't think he's really had one yet, um, apart from the boot and the ball. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was glorious. <laughs> oh, one of my favourite Harry Kane moments. I love that. I really love that. Um, Rocco looks a mess, doesn't he? I mean, I, mean, I, I should have sold him in the centre summer. back. He's 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 a left back if anything. Um, I mean, it's the it's, it speaks to the incredibly lopsided nature of that team. Yeah, you know, you've got world class players. Next to people like Rocco, who yeah. but he had a great World Cup. He played really well for Argentina. He, he, left back, though, right? Yeah, he played a left back that didn't attack. Yeah. His sole purpose was just to be. Like, he was almost like a Tony Pulis fullback. Yeah. His job was just to be a centre back out wide and then just not go forward. But he had a really good World Cup, and I, I wanted us to sign him. But he's looked completely out of place at Manu, and it's strange because they've got a player that who I love. I love Damian. I think Damian is a fantastic fullback, and if he's still out of favour, we should sign him. He because played. He played on um, Sunday. Darmian yeah. played left back. Yeah, they're playing um, him at left back. <clears throat> he was okay. Yeah. Um, Reign of terror against Luke Shaw continues. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Shaw's nowhere to be seen now, is he? Um, but then, I mean, they've. You look at the bench they had on Sunday, and they've got Rashford, Fellaini, Dave Blind, Juan Mata, Jesse Lingard, and Eric Bailly, plus the goalkeeper. Oh, so Bailly was on the bench. Yeah. So he might be I mean, that's a that's yeah. a strong bench. That's a, a deep. I don't want to see Mata on the field against us. I think Mata loves great. playing against us. Yeah, I, I think he's a great player. I hope they don't start him because yeah. he, he scares the living shit out of me. I mean, if you—that's the thing. If you think, all right, you play Mata behind uh, Zlatan with Marcel and um, Mkhitaryan on the right with Pogba. I mean, I would play Schneidlin just so that Pogba can yeah. you know, run around and do whatever he does. I mean, that's that that team not finishing in the top four is. Preposterous. I mean, like, if you if we turn on to Football Manager now, yeah. with that team you you win everything, man. And this just shows that Mourinho he's lost it. He has he's not able to inspire the same kind of like attitude that he when I don't know like Drogba, Lampard, Terry, check that spine. They mm. would they would have killed their mothers for yeah. Mourinho, and he's he's just lost that. Maybe it was um, a fallout of the kind of attack against um, the doctor at Chelsea where he lost Hazard and those key players. And maybe it's just followed him to Man United. I don't think he was the right man for Man U. If I was Manchester United, I would have gone for someone like Pochettino, someone who could actually build something. Or not necessarily Pochettino, a manager with mm. a young manager with a belief to who's actually going to stay there for 10 years. I think it was more of a desperation for Mourinho yeah. and for him. And. Um, also, Portugal winning the Euros kind of, I think that fucked up Mourinho a little bit because I think that's probably his next step will be out of into, into international football. Mm. I just think that with with figures like Mourinho, as soon as the the mask slips and as soon as you see that they're human beings and that they are vulnerable and they're not you know perfect or supermen, suddenly the players don't listen to the managers in the same way. As soon as they see that they're just fallible humans that make mistakes and can mess up. 
you know he's not the same guy that would you know elicit that same loyalty from mm-hmm. your Czechs and Lampards and Drogba's like this United team you know couldn't care less and mm-hmm. that, that Chelsea team you know the Hazards and the Williams or whatever you know they, they weren't bothered either mm-hmm. and that's that's what's happened I think is that they see him he's just another manager the, the mystique has gone now yeah and the mystique has gone you see it with the um, the press sort of turning him against them as well mm. he's now pilloried for some of the things that he was held up for doing when he, when he first arrived um, he's just sort of seen as a grumpy old man basically. apart from Sky Sky is still they're still <laughs> bowing at the, the temple of Mourinho they still love him and um, it was part of this part I ditched Sky this year for the first time because after the start of the season when Mourinho and Ibrahimovic was there the whole fanfare that it got was just it was just too much for me to take mm. and I, I cancelled it on that day every now and then I have little pangs of like fuck I could get it back but <laughs> no I've, I've stayed strong what, to be, what are our predictions for the score on the weekend I'm actually confident I, I feel I feel like we've I think a lot will depend on Wednesday because um, I think if, if we have a, another morale draining defeat at home at Wembley uh, in the Champions League I, I think we might struggle to then motivate ourselves for the United match <clears throat> if all goes well and we steamroll a Seska or however we want to pronounce it hmm. I feel like we can go to Old Trafford and win and there aren't many times I've said that during my lifetime but we've certainly got the players to do it uh, Kane's looking somewhere near his, his top form with Alderweireld but being back it's a boost I mean you just imagine that him getting off the coach and mm-hmm. the other players seeing him back there must just lift their spirits no mm-hmm. end because he's such, he's just absolute quality and I was thinking then when we were talking about the United team the one thing they're lacking is a classy centre back to play alongside Bailly and kind of bring him through and you know, they if they've got any brains, they should be paying whatever it takes to get out of Real. But I, you know, not that I think he'd necessarily go and join Mourinho, but um, certainly out of or Van Dijk or someone who's a bit a bit older and more established at the back would improve United no end. That Toby Alderweireld plays for us is one of the most mystifying things in world football, as far as I'm concerned. He's Why, phenomenal. at the price he was available at, having proved himself in Spain, having proved himself in England. Having been the age he was, he was, I think, late 25, maybe early 26 when we got him, is ridiculous. And the fact that we've still, you know, there's not been a sniff of interest seemingly in him. I think the whole of the summer I was waiting to read in a newspaper at some point, you know, by Munich, start sniffing around or something. But fortunately, you know, we're blessed to have him. He's superb. I think it's definitely a strange one. I think it's maybe because he couldn't get into the Atletico team. Yeah. And for rather like Vertonghen, for on the, on the international stage, he was played at fullback. That's true. Yeah. Which kind of like helped keep his profile mm. low. But he was great at Southampton. And to be honest with you, I was a little bit like skeptical when we signed him. I was, a, but then obviously, as soon as you see him play, you realise he's yeah. He's probably one of the best centre centre backs in the country without doubt. When we signed him, I was expecting him to play in midfield quite a lot more because we'd <clears throat> we'd seen him play so well in midfield for Southampton, and I thought, okay, you know, utility player, he'll come in, he'll do a job wherever mm. we need him, right back, central midfield. There's never been a sign of him playing a different position, just centre no. back and and playing centre back bloody well. Just an incredible player, and like Charlie says, we're kind of lucky to have him in many ways. Yeah, I think so. We have a question. Sorry, I, I didn't actually let you just make your predictions. I, I kind of went off on a tangent, didn't I? Two 0 Spurs. I think one all. I can see us. They are the draw specialists. Right? Yeah, I mean, we both kind of are, aren't we? To a degree, yeah. I can. Um, I think we'll take the lead and then get pegged back. And then I think, much like the Arsenal game, I can see both teams 
settling for a point and taking the foot off the gas a bit. And I don't think a point would be a disaster for us either. I think as long as we can get get out of there without losing. Yeah. I mean, you know, unless we're like 4-0 up and then we draw, that would be bad. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd just be such a boost, wouldn't it, to come away with a win? Yeah, I mean, we need a shot in the arm victory like that, don't we? Being Swansea is one thing, but in order to get this season back on... Yeah. Back on the rails, it feels like going to Old Trafford would be the perfect opportunity. I think they'll be. I think you're right. I think they'll be bang up for it. I really do. Because a win would be really important. Well, first of all, beating Moscow would be amazing because we're getting to run of games now where we've got Moscow, Manu, then we've got Burnley and Hull. Is Hull, it? Yeah. Burnley, Southampton, Watford. We've got the games are starting to come now. It's that December period where it gets really fast. The games come like every three, four days. So. Um, the next two wins in the next two games would set us up beautifully this was last year when we accelerated wasn't it this was the time of year where we really hit our stride and, yep. and the goals started fl- flowing and players hit top form so mm-hmm. hopefully the same thing will happen again before we play Chelsea on uh, the 4th of January and then Christ. Manchester City a couple of weeks later so yeah, then they're nice done they're out of the way board. Board. yeah mm. exactly yeah I mean that the run we got in January and um, February is not great but let's not look forward that far because we'll just scare ourselves yeah, let's think about Burnley now <laughs> let's think, think nice, nice things <laughs> <laughs> so we have a question from we have a couple of questions Sean Armfield on Facebook said would Marcus Edwards benefit from a top championship or lower prem loan or is he better on the outer fringes of our squad I personally and I bow down to your knowledge on this Wendy of course but I can't imagine that him he'd be let go by Pochettino I think Pochettino wants him ingrained in his ways much like Winks yeah. I think these kind of blue chippers like Onomar and Winks and Carter Vickers he likes to have around the place and he wants them to learn good habits um, and also he's he's of that size and build that you know you don't and I'm, I'm sort of regressing to a old fashioned view of sort of lower leagues perhaps but you wouldn't want to send him you know to a Fulham or something and then he gets kicked up in the air every week and comes well, back sort of bruised <coughs> and battered it is a slightly old fashioned view but I think there's a lot of truth in it and also the refereeing standards are nowhere near as good as they are mm. in the Premier League so players don't necessarily get the same protection mm-hmm. I also think you know if we do qualify for the Europa League there could be an opportunity for him to get on the bench mm. perhaps for a knockout game or you know there was there was signs before this injury that you know, we're only an injury tour away, particularly if Lamella doesn't come back mm. anytime soon. You know, Poch is prone to springing a surprise on us like this, and you know, who knows? I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a few Premier League squads before the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen enough of Edwards to be honest. Um, I quite like the loan system. In there's been examples of it where it's worked quite well. Uh, I don't know, but then I then I do hold the hope that if we get in the Europa League, he'll get some time there. But um, I trust Pochettino to look after him. As Charlie said, he's a blue chip player. If he's that good, then you keep him under. You keep him close. You make sure he's 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 eating well. You know, mm. eating well, looking after himself, living yeah. it. Because there is a temptation of a of a young kid. He's got a nice contract, going away somewhere, and maybe getting up to some business. I also think Spurs seem to be incredibly wary of his sort of situation from a transfer slash contract perspective so having him around the place hopefully you know brainwashing him into mm. believing that his long-term future is at Tottenham yeah really making him feel a massive part of the first exactly squad. rather than bombing him out and going well you're off to Sheffield Wednesday for three months we'll see you in March yeah. you know that's probably not going to endear him to the club as much as they want him to so I think whilst without treating him like sort of little mm. Lord Fontoroy for the whole time you want him to feel like you know this is your team in a couple of years yeah but then we have seen it work for us. Carl Walker went to Villa, 
who and he he blossomed there and he came back a bit Danny late. Rose Danny took Rose. him an extra year perhaps to really kick on but yeah, that exactly. year in Sunderland did yeah. him good um, yeah. Huddleston I think as well he, did he, go, he went on loan to Derby he came back to Derby didn't he he went to no he did go back to Derby yeah I think he went to Derby yeah. and Wolves did he play I want to say um, so there's examples <laughs> where, where we it's worked to our benefit we've also obviously Kane Kane had numerous loans Townsend was a regular loanee I guess these are all pre-Pochettino yeah, pre-Poch aren't they? that's yeah. what I was going to say and and like you say Winks, Onoma, Carter Vickers none of them have gone out on loan they're all now part of the first team squad and I imagine that the same thing will happen with Marcus Edwards um, and I'm told that we've got other players who are kind of becoming part of the first team squad unit as well someone like Sam Shishua who's been training quite a lot okay. with the first team who is the kind of next Edwards in the pecking order I guess but he's a kind Jesus of is already, <laughs> already on the next Edwards yeah. sorry Marcus yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yesterday's wonder kid <laughs> he's, he's not quite at the same he did turn 18 level. last week so he's getting on a bit now yeah so was good I mean he's not he's not Edwards um, levels of good of good because I think Edwards potentially could be an exceptional exceptional talent but Shishu is a really handy player scored a couple um, in midweek and yeah just a, a really handy little player uh, who also plays sort of number 10 ideally. okay Speaking of younger players, I've got a lot of American soccer-loving friends who are terrified about, um, with Klinsman now gone from the States, that and without having, despite calling him up to a squad, he didn't get on the pitch for those two games that he was in the squad for for the States. And they're all now very, very worried that England are going to sink their hooks into Carter Vickers and deny him from the Americans well it would, it would take um, it would mean Southgate has to be quite clever he's yeah. going to have to play him well, in a, think in call a him up for the 21s game. and get him yeah. you know, feeling you, English but you, just because you play for under 21s you can still play yeah. for yeah. the state you just maybe get him into the setup or something if they even rate him that highly I mean mm. obviously the states yeah. are going to be coveting him a lot more than England are I imagine mm-hmm. I find it baffling that England have, I mean maybe England have had a, made a play for him and he, he rejected them um, I do think it's odd that he's not been involved in more England squads um, has he been called up to any youth as squads as far as I'm aware he's not I think he was in the 17s I want to say right because the States got their claws into him very did. early didn't they yeah he's really good he's a really he's a very very competent player I, what a strange decision to call him up to the senior squad and then not just give him a couple of minutes well, and get the job done they were losing 4-0 as well yeah. like that's what the complaint was they're, why not just stick him on for a minute they're very good at that the United States they take expat like Amer- um, Germans mm. and Africans they're really clever at calling them up and getting them kind of like as you say yeah, Fabian Johnson who's the yeah. sort of star guy now for them is exactly that yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah anyway next question is from Keza187 on Twitter who says if Hugo was to leave in the summer realistically no. who could we get to replace him would any of the panel take Joe Hart how's Joe Hart doing for Torino doing okay yeah. they lost at the weekend but other than that they've had a good season he seems to really be taken to it just from looking at things like Instagram he's sort of throwing yeah. himself into it he arrived there in his first press conference he started speaking Italian really badly <laughs> but he, he gave it a go and he's had, he's had the right spirit about things sometimes a player can go on loan and just be a bit moody especially mm. if they're an established player but he's gone there He's um, trying to speak Italian. Torino are playing really well. They've got um, a wonderful Italian striker, Bilotti, who's scoring mm. goals all the time. So they're they're over they're overachieving. Got Falco as well, haven't they? Who, oh. Who's scoring goals <laughs> yeah. as well, man? He um, he didn't have the greatest time at Roma, but at Torino, he's finding his feet again. And he's you know he still looks a decent player. Um, but Hart's doing okay. Would I take him as Spurs? No, I, I think he's a bit too old now. Is he thirty now? 
it yeah. must be 30 yeah. 31 maybe I, I don't mean, think he offers us anything really I'd, I'd maybe I'd prefer to sign a younger goalkeeper he'd be on the big wages as well mm. huge wages and the thing is that he was City didn't want him because he's no good with his feet and we kind of rely on a goalkeeper who's good with his feet. So. <laughs> Even though we got Lloris. Um, but, you know, he's, he's passing, he's short passing is good. It's just his longer passing, which is right. pretty atrocious, isn't it? I mean, Anything over a metre. That's the thing, right, though. He's good. His touch is good. My thing about this is that all goalkeepers are rubbish at kicking. Yeah. I think, like, if you support a club, you believe that your goalkeeper is bad at kicking. Like, there is not one goalkeeper in world football who is, like, really, really good. Mm. I just think that you get I skewed. Get Neu- Neuer. Neuer. Yeah. Right. But even he, like, takes such stupid chances he's, that he's sometimes risky. you're like, yeah. he would give me a heart attack. Yeah. Um, I imagine that probably, if Hugo does go, it would be someone like Butland, wouldn't it, I that think we'd Butland. go in for? Yeah. He's at that level. He's at Stoke. Tottenham would seem a logical next yeah. move for 20 million or something. Absolutely, yeah. Have you seen any of Paolo Lopez? I've not seen Paolo Lopez, have you? No, no, because oh, well, he's played for the 23s. He's been in the last couple of on 23 squads. Yeah, I've not, I've not seen either of those games. Because he played the Arsenal game that we lost. Yeah, though. he was sort of drafted in, which I, I found really odd, and it, it must be a bit of a kick in the teeth to him. It, it's just this move is so weird for his career. What's he looking to achieve, and what are we looking to achieve? I can only this? imagine that Vorm is leaving next summer, and they want him ingratiated yeah. so that he yeah. becomes the natural backup. But why do they not just sign him permanently straight away? Maybe it's a try before you buy yeah. situation. If he's that much of a disaster, then both parties can walk away. But in that case, what does he get out of it? Unless it's a monetary thing. I guess that. I mean, he'd lost his place at, at Espanyol. I think he had his sort of half a season in the sun and then they got in a more experienced goalkeeper. Literally so maybe he thought, I'm not going to play here, so I might as well not play yeah. <laughs> for more money <laughs> in a situation which might become a long-term thing yeah. for me. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, he's becoming one of those like answers to a quiz question, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Poor old pal. And well, we got um, it's not the first Spanish goalkeeper we've signed that never played. We had um, the one that always pops up, um, Cesar. Oh yeah, who was the Champions League? It's like a Bardi's brainbuster. Who was the Champions League uh, <laughs> Spanish Champions League winning goalkeeper yeah. Spurs sign? It was fucking Cesar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but bizarrely there's actually a really good kind of clutch of young English goalkeepers around at the moment in Butland Pickford, Pickford yeah. and Tom Heaton Heaton's been sensational Heaton's, isn't Heaton actually like in 31 or he's something? a bit older yeah, yeah he's yeah. pretty old <laughs> young in terms of uh, keepers yeah and, and coming to prominence yeah, it, you feel like it would be between Butland and Pickford but then you, you know we're just as likely to go and sign a Belgian goalkeeper for 8 million from True. Genk or something like yeah. that so. but, but Pickford looks a player though right he's, he's shot stopping is Really impressive for such a young keeper. Little Tommy Turgoose from This Is England. Yeah. Yeah, he right. is just like him, isn't he? Yeah. I'm still not convinced. No? no? He's a great shot stuffer. I feel like I would need to see him yeah. do the fundamentals well over a longer period you know, of time. It's very easy to look really good for a team that's in relegation form and yeah. facing a lot of shots. It's quite diff- It's very different to being like Hugo Lloris where you're it's all about position. It's all about how you play the game when you're not being tested and being ready at those key moments. It's very easy to make 10 saves when you've been shot at like 15 times. I um, I don't know if I've not read anything about this because it frightens me too much, but is there like actual concern around the Lloris situation at all? Was it The Sun published that story this weekend saying that essentially, yes, if we don't qualify for the Champions League, he'll be looking to move. But it's The Sun, so who knows? Yeah. It's sort of- and also, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't blame him. Quite yeah. honestly, I feel like he needs he deserves the right to play for a Champions League perennial, 
and playing one season in five isn't what you know that's not fair on him I don't think I thought it does annoy me then when you've got players that I'm going to leave if I don't get in the Champions League then fucking get in the Champions League you know perform get in the Champions League and then you know yeah I think because we had a season because he did get us in the Champions League if you like I wouldn't feel quite so sore about and yeah and he was the only player that probably came out of that Mm. god awful campaign which after this season we will never speak of again (laughs) with any credit yeah absolutely Jesus Christ what a <laughs> we haven't mentioned the FA Cup draw, have we? So, no. so while we while we were on uh, halftime break, um, we spotted that we've drawn Villa at home, um, which in years gone by would have been an all Premier League clash between two of the kind of famous old sides. Obviously, at the moment, Villa are down in their luck somewhat, although not so much under Bruce. They lost their first game under Bruce on the weekend. I yeah. think I saw. So but I mean, they're, they're slowly they're turning doing fine, around. aren't they? I mean, they're. They're not what they once were, but in a way, they're better at this point than they were at the same time last year. Um, but it's a good draw, isn't it? I mean, it's, we it's were talking about game. Buddy and I were talking about how much we would absolutely love a cup run. I know this is a you know tired old cliche, but it feels like Pochettino needs some silverware. He needs uh, like proper signature victory in a big game, and these players need to show that as well. They need for me, you know, I've not quite forgiven them for. Chelsea, Newcastle, Southampton, that miserable run Mm. at all, really. And they need to show that on those games where, you know, something really is riding on it, that they're able to step up and do it. And the cup would be, I'd absolutely love it. Harry Kane needs a trophy. You Mm. know, Ledley King got his cup. I know it's only one cup, but he got his cup. He got his name. He's got his part of the history. And I would love Harry Kane to have his little part of history. Harry Kane, Hugo Lloris, all the real yeah. these guys. We're, t- we're talking about Lloris potentially leaving if he didn't qualify for the Champions League. Maybe winning a trophy would would say something to mm-hmm. him. You know, we we are capable of winning trophies. Um, and once you've won one thing, it can lead to other trophies. Would you rather win the Europa League or the FA Cup? Europa League. Europa League because of the Champions League qualification yeah. which and, might lead to Hugo's and we get thing. to play the Champions League winners in um, the Ooh, Super yeah. Cup which would be sexy back then. to Monaco our favourite yeah. place <laughs> <laughs> they're moving it around oh they're moving yeah, it around it's yeah. on tour yeah. don't have to play in the car park anymore yeah. <laughs> um, where's the is the Europa League final somewhere like Aberdeen or somewhere this year I don't know I see that it's like somewhere really rubbish we could look we, we should, look. We we could should just probably look, look. um Villa, I mean, I suppose Villa at home, it all depends on which team we put out. Because Pochettino isn't always known for favouring the FA Cup. And it obviously that third round comes in the middle of, you know, you just come out of Christmas, the players are exhausted. Mm. He, I mean, what have our Pochettino FA Cup runs look like? I mean, we beat Leicester in the third round, was it, last year, eventually? Yeah. And then lost to Palace in the fourth round. That the season Palace before that, horrible. Leicester knocked us out, didn't yeah. they? Was that the third round then, or it was very early? I think. Uh, just to let you know, the Europa League final is in. It's at the Friends Arena in Sweden. So that'd be, oh, cool. okay. that'd be great. Interesting. Is that who plays there? Gothenburg? Or no, it's in Solna. It's um, in Stockholm. Okay. Stockholm. Stockholm. Interesting. Cool. Well, I think that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry to look forward to. On that one, <laughs> Thank you, lads, for uh, making up this three-man pod. It's, uh, it's been a, it's had a, a different feel to usual, but I've enjoyed it. Been good, some good solid chat. It's always good to see a pleasure, Charlie. guys. A pleasure. Good to have you back Love on, to mate. See you guys. And Barney, as ever. It hasn't been weird. The chap on Reddit said, "Will it be weird me being here with you two? 
In what way? What would I be like? A, like take me back to my days. Oh, I see. Like, <laughs> like a bit of a goose spare wheel. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, we've got our own little thing going on now yeah, as well yeah, with exactly. the extra. You've not noticed that I've had my hand on Chris's knee. <laughs> so we got away with that. So that's good. <laughs> cool. Well, you've been listening to the Fighting Cock. As ever, if you want to leave reviews on iTunes, please do. Um, but if not, then fine. <laughs> Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.